Justin Peterson. And I'm Brian Lee. Welcome to the Voice Culture Podcast, where we traverse the rich historical legacy of voice training from the greatest minds and teachers of the art. Each episode features lively conversation, fascinating historical insights, and practical application for today's singer. Hey, Justin. Hey, so uh, I think we need to talk about Walter Foster. Ah, absolutely. <laughs> Walter Foster. Walter Wonderful. C. Foster. Thank you very much. Yes. 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 So Walter Foster, he was born in Ohio um, in 1934. He went to Baldwin Wallace. Oh, it's a very famous musical theater school nowadays mm-hmm. uh, in Ohio. He moved to Texas He uh, where he graduated. Uh, let's see. Let's see. He studied music at Baldwin Wallace Conservatory. And then in 1946, he moved with his family to Amarillo, Texas, and he graduated from high school in 1952. Uh, He attended the University of North Texas, UNT, where he got a BA in in music in 1956 and an MM in vocal performance in 1959, got a musicology degree, a PhD in musicology in in 1969 from the University of Texas in Austin. And... um, I think one of our colleagues that we know uh, has was actually that was his voice her voice teacher uh, Cynthia Vaughn who we know oh, as, okay. as yeah. a wonderful colleague of ours had studied with him and she said she he was really ahead of his time she had uh, really positive things to say about him but okay. what I thought was so great was that he taught at Shroon Lake uh, at Seagull Music Colony which is where a lot of opera singers kind of get their start yeah uh, up at the Seagull Music Colony so. Um, this little book that he wrote, why don't you, you want to give the title of it and read the... Yeah, so uh, the, the book that introduced me to Walter Foster is called Singing Redefined. And it has a nice long subtitle that tells you what lies within. The <laughs> subtitle is A Conceptual Approach to Singing that Includes a Study of the Emotional Process and the Imaginative Capacity, <laughs> Linguistic Awareness and Musical Awareness, singing concepts based on the responsive nature of the instrument and exercises designed to promote a technically correct, artistically expressive singing tone. I mean, if you got to write a subtitle, you might as well write that one, I he's, guess. He's right? putting all the goods in the window. I love it. Oh, you know what? I'd like, I, that's good for me. It's like yeah. I, that shopping experience is going to be a good one. So I, what I really enjoy about this, and I think you'll get a kick out of this, um, allegedly his teacher was Walter Allen Stultz. And Stultz is, Stultz's teacher was Edmund J. Meyer, who we both oh, love. yeah. We just love Mr. Meyer so much. Yeah. So there is a little bit of that, you know, transverse lineage there through history mm-hmm. from Meyer to Stultz, then on to Foster. So I, I love that little, you know, who taught who taught who. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Who was teaching whom? Yeah, exactly. Well, so, that's, I did not know the Meyer connection because you really yeah. see, you know, Meyer was a, uh, I, if I remember right, was largely concerned with uh, psychology as the primary yeah, scientific yeah. aspect of singing. Yeah, and um, his books are fantastic. If you get a chance to read uh, Edmund J. Meyer's stuff, I think Vocal Renaissance was one of the books yep. that I seem to recall that he had written. Really a great little book. Uh, I think he was a, a, a New York State voice teacher, if I, seem, if I recall correctly. Yeah, The Renaissance of the Vocal Art. Uh, was was his book a uh, really he died uh meyer died in 1934 uh he was born in 1846 um but yeah his books are really uh, the renaissance of the vocal art is is one of them uh vocal yeah. reinforcement is another one truths of importance to vocalists is another one 
Position and Action and Singing, I believe, was another one of his mm, books. I read that one, yep. Yeah, so yep. really, yeah, I think he did teach in upstate New York. But, uh, boy, his books are really wonderful. And so I think Foster, maybe by uh, proxy of Stultz, his teacher, and you know, got mm-hmm. maybe some of those ideas, too, because they're just really good vocal ideas. Meyer's books are very good. Uh, to read so how did you were the one who introduced me to this book i did not know this about this book at all until you had introduced it to me on your webpage with your resources and i was like okay well i'll check that out and i ordered it and i was like oh this is really good so well here's how i came by the book which is kind of interesting so walter foster had a business called recital publications um out of huntsville texas and he he did a lot of reprints of old music he, he did a lot of uh, French art song, um, a lot of parlor music mm-hmm. from the late 1900s, uh, had a huge catalog of sort of slightly off the beaten path music. So I uh, started ordering some music sheets from him and I made a really big order once and he was starting to sell out his inventory and get ready to retire from that business. And he threw this book in the package. He said, uh, as an extra gift, uh, I'm throwing in this book, Singing Redefined. So it was something I never even knew about, but I just started reading it, and it just really, really wowed me, um, both from a practical point of view of some material that you can bring into lessons and exercises to work on with singers, but then his his whole approach. So mm. the table of contents, I mean... He has uh, how many major sections? It looks like there are six major sections. And just I just like to read the titles of the six yeah. major sections. The first one is called Emotion. The second one is called Imagination. Part three is Linguistic Awareness. Part four is Musical Awareness. Part five is Singing Concepts. This is the only part that is sort of about nuts and bolts technique as we mm. understand it today. Mm. Uh, and then part six is exercises for the singing voice. And uh, what I really enjoyed, even about going to the back of the book and picking out an exercise to do, is his marriage of the exercise with the text he uses for the exercise Yes, often has elements of uh, humor, of whimsy, Mm. of of flight of you know that like it's it's Silly, very interesting yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 lighthearted yeah a lot it's of it's very lighthearted very lighthearted and um if you read the whole book you can see how it goes so nicely with this idea of uh the sort of psychology and soul of the singer yes. has to be awakened along with yes the ability to go ah Yes, <laughs> and, that, and that the awe uh, is going to be a reflection of that inner state. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I just love it. I love the the, the front material to me. Obviously, as, a, as someone who's a real fan of historical pedagogy, is fabulous because you know he pulls from so many different places pedagogically, and it's just a it's a marvel of a little book because he'll put pull all kinds of wonderful quotes in from different places. I mean, I love what he says about uh, joy in singing and uh, and love and affection in singing and how important that is to cultivate. And that he has a uh, sort of a subtitle here that's called Joy the Facilitator, 
which I just yes. love. Yes. That's the facilitator, right? The expansiveness of joy and its serendipitous effects upon the singing event have been recognized by many past and present teachers as thoughts of the following authors illustrate. And then he goes into some other notes here, people who have said things. I have to tell you my favorite one uh, that I, I love. Uh, where is it? Let me see if I can find it because she, she's my favorite one. Da, 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 da. Yes, here it is. Uh, it's it's um, Mary Withrow in her book, Some Staccato Notes for Singers, in 1915. She says, The singer must express all moods and emotions with his voice, but live habitually with the joyous. Let there be positive physical joy in all so-called breathing exercises. I love that. Mm. I love that. The exaltation of the singing experience is something that we don't talk about. I've seen some authors talk about it. But it's rare that we see it, like the singing feeling. I call it the singing feeling, yeah. really. Yeah. It's like, oh, it feels like a happy, uplifted, joyous feeling. And it's like, if you don't have that feeling, you're like, oh. You know, and I think that's one of the things David Jones talks about. His teacher, Alan Link, was said, you know, if he didn't have the feeling, he knew he was going to have a rough night. But I think that, that idea of the singer's feeling, there is a yeah. feeling that you can't put into words that is, I think, why singers love to sing, because of that feeling. Because yeah. it's such a happy feeling. Um, oh, yeah. 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 And to cultivate that as teachers for us is so important to find that feeling of, of joy. Um, but yeah. Uh, this, what else have you, I mean, was there anything else with the, this text that you find that's really, I mean, I have some ideas about it in, in terms of our current moment. Um, but I'd love to hear, like, if you have any thoughts about, about that. Well, um, in the beginning of the section on uh, imagination, which class you may turn to page 21 of your textbook. <laughs> uh, he, ha- he has this, which I really liked. Um, <clears throat> well, actually, he's the, part of it, he's quoting uh, David Franson Davies. Davies, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how you say I've it. never known how to pronounce that. Yeah, whether name. it's Sorry. pronounced anglicized. But anyway, Franson, Franson, who knows? The Singing of the Future. He, yeah. he quotes this If a man wished to be called an artist, his voice must become the instrument of intelligent imagination. Instinct guided by intellect and natural imagination and helped by a well-stored brain mm. constitutes a force which enables man to plunge to the center of an instant. Um, then he goes on to talk about the singing instinct, um, which men have That's in what we were talking about. I think that's and, what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's the feeling, the singer's feeling. It's like, you just like, it's a feeling. It's like you can't, yeah. It's like a bird feeling. It's natural. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, how not to kill that, man. Well, and here's my favorite. The coldly <laughs> intellectual or the coldly mechanical act is not a human or a natural act. Why then insist for years on superinducing an unnatural and perfunctory state of mind upon the student by making of a technique... A mere muscular exercise. The fact that no, the fact is that no one can pronounce "ah" without thinking "ah," and that very vividly. The "ah" must emanate, must come forth out of an emotioned thought. Some situation must be presented to the mind, which will call forth "ah" in response. So also with all cardinal vowels, the intellect and the imagination must always be an active play. You know there, that modern teacher who I think is doing really cool stuff with this uh pedro oh yes pedro de alcantara, de alcantara. uh where he he will there's youtube videos of him just taking a silly sound and mm-hmm. playing with it yes you know ah ah yes ah yes ah 
Oh, you know, yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing with all the ways of uh, and and. Oh my gosh! You know the 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 idea of of, uh, yeah, out of an emotioned thought. Love it. Yes. Yeah. Love yeah. It. yeah. Well, that there's an there's a purpose of it, right? There's a purpose of it, and with all the vowels, and. Mm-hmm. That, that we don't separate, you know, that's why when people say, well, what ah is right? I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, there's a sad ah, there's a happy ah, there's a, there's a, a, a fearful ah. I mean, my gosh, it's limitless, right? How do we mm-hmm. standardize one ah when there are millions of ahs? <laughs> yeah, right, for sure. Right? Um, no, I just think, and this book has just, he just really backs up what he has to say with such a historical um, what richness of texts that he pulls from. It's just fantastic. It's fantastic. My, my sort of interest in it has been in conjunction with a lot of the work that Ken Bozeman has done with his um, performant work with regard to uh, the acoustics of the singing voice, which came to us through, you know, Burton Coffin, which you remember like Burton Coffin in the 60s, although I don't think Kenneth Bozeman's, he may have been influenced by uh, Burton Coffin, I don't know. But um, one of the things that you're left with sometimes with this acoustic work is, well, okay, now how do I make it, how do I turn this information into something practical, right? How do I turn this into an applied thing? And I think Foster is the answer, at least for me. Mm -hmm. So he's the way that to get to the understanding of what vowels are doing and how vowels are behaving. Because as we know from our, we've talked before about Cornelius Reed and his contributions, while he talks about vowels in his work, he doesn't sort of give you a, a, a means whereby you can understand and listen in for the vowels and, and how that works. So I, I love the exercises in the back of this book just for that sort of practical listening for, for example, like the voce cusa phenomenon in a singer, at least in a yeah. classical singer. Yeah. And listening, okay, so if you know where that turn, so here's what I'll do. Teacher insights from Justin. I will sometimes <laughs> bring out that, that, that chart that Ken Bozeman has made of where those turning points are in a vowel, uh-huh. right? Because they all yep. turn in different places where those, where those um, sure. harmonics and formants sort of interact. Mm-hmm. And I will use that little thing as a reference, a visual reference, and then I will take these exercises and I will use these exercises to demonstrate to the student how those vowels work on these exercises so they can experience that i have a hunch you may be pointing towards like the the page 108 to 109 spread Mm -hmm. where you have the sentences to sing that have different different vowels at the top of the phrase exactly um and uh yeah and so then you can explore sort of the interaction of vowel and word and idea of the phrase yes in a sentence in a singing thing yeah yeah that's not and it's not just a um um a vowel in other words it's a it's a it's a it's a cognitive thought <laughs> you know and then you observe oh yeah that is what's happening on that vowel on the top right so for example if the vowel opens and you go into a more of a voce aperta and it starts to spread and the larynx rises you can hear that on that top vowel but it allow what i love is it allows you an isolation of a vowel in a phrase to to listen for it because yeah. it's at the it's at the apex of the phrase, and uh, I actually went through in my copy and I wrote out the IPA for each a little section for what vowel is being sort of exer- not, I guess you could say exercised or, or uh, focused on in that focused on thing. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. And then yeah. if a student has a for example if a student has an issue on a particular vowel, um, let's isolate that and let's put that into one of these scales, which I love. And sometimes what what I, I enjoy is that he often will put a phrase 
let's say, one of these scales next to a staccato phrase, right? So you get this sort of vowel uh, phrase with a sentence of, of notes, right? Yeah, actually, so let, like, let's um, talk about like that 3.5 exercise yeah. as an example. So it's a 1358531 right. of a phrase mm-hmm. with words, and then right. it's staccato. So right. you got uh, no hocus pocus about it, and then ah 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 ah. Right, right. And sort of, sort of the distillation of the vowel after we've just said something silly and fun. Right. And and it, with with the different phrases, um, like uh, for example, the ooh vowel on top. Some of the stuff he brings out with the ooh vowel are, you know, the ooh vowel has a tendency toward headiness. And when when is it the headier sound gentle and reassuring? Mm. And when can it be ridiculous? Uh, for example, the first sentence, <laughs> you play the tuba too softly. Right. You know, if, if you if you sing that as a Puccini arch phrase with the ooh, the loudest thing, it is the most right. ridiculous sentence on earth. Right. But you go a little lower. Uh, the, he has what seven different sentences with an yeah. ooh on top then he yep. has how reassuring to hear you and mm. imagine singing that tenderly on top you exactly know? exactly how reassuring to hear you yes or celebrate you know? beautiful singing right i mean yeah just yeah. fantastic stuff and yeah, and you can really pay attention to that top vowel because for a lot of people who come up with a lot of chestiness on yeah. that ooh vowel they're going to go you play the tuba right they're going to just distort that vowel all exactly. the heck, to then, keep more, you know, virility in the sound. Yeah. And so you can have those discussions about, you know, when you might actually want to do that and how you usually probably don't, but why or why not? Because yeah. he, he's giving you something to say here. And, and the phrases are, are, are so much fun that, um, you know, I find almost all my students of all ages really get into it. Oh, definitely. And, <laughs> and it, it's playful. Right. Yeah. And I, I, have a, I have one of my tenors I'm working with him and he's like, oh, can we please always do these? Can we please always do these? Because, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like it's singing, you know, at the yeah. end of the day. It is like yeah. singing. But we're working at a, looking at a vowel and we're listening for a vowel. I, I also enjoy on, um, on page 117, he talks about um, starting on the target vowel and then descending so that the singer has to be able to. And I'll tell you, we did a, this week we worked on the, um, what vowel did I work on that I was working with a student this week? And I said, oh, this is good. Um, mm, 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 because he'll sometimes put a, a consonant in front and it's like, oh boy, oh boy. And you have to, like on a gl, for example, the gl, gl sort of con, uh, consonant cluster. And it's like, okay, start there. <laughs> um, mm, let's see. Oh yeah, let's see. Yes. So for on 117 on the eval, disarming is your charming smile. Well, if you're a tenor and you're starting on an A flat on a, on the word disarming, you have to figure out how do I put that, how do I get the mm-hmm. D mm-hmm. to go in such a way that it doesn't interrupt the, the, the line. Or kiss me, right? K, k, k. Yeah. How do you get a K vowel on a high note when you need to immediately go to that I vowel? Well, that's what I call a, a bookend uh, syllable because you got K closed in back and then S closed in front, yes. you know, at the end of yes. the syllable. And so it, it helps you deal with these things. Or give me, oh my gosh, give me, where you have to have the, the whole mm. thing close up before the vowel starts, right? Mm-hmm. G- like the back tongue and the, and the soft palate have to touch before they separate. And it can't be, g- it can't be too tight, otherwise, uh, and that G can't be too heavy, lest that note doesn't come out, right? Yeah. Um, 
I just love the the uh, the use of consonant in that. And and what's nice is you could do, for example, you could do one of those octave arpeggios before on that eval, and then do the new uh, exercise or the other exercise on page one seventeen, starting there. Okay, great. Yeah. You were able yeah. to do your octave up and down. Now, can you start there and come down? Yeah. So I think you know there's a there's a wonderful um, richness of of, of uh, exercise opportunities for any teacher I think who wants to use these in a really creative way. And they're all, as evidenced by the text, they're all supported by the formant theory of the vowels and how the vowels work. Yeah. And something that you and I have talked about a lot is teaching a bad vowel to be a good vowel by putting it next to a good vowel that already works. Yeah. Or is working Indeed. well, yeah. you know. So. so teaching, you know, rather than rather than manipulation, right, rather than, you know, put your tongue in this position. Well, how right. the hell... How yeah. the heck do you know? Do here's true facts. The tongue has very limited kinesthetic uh, receptors to the brain. So we're oftentimes in a vowel sound. We're not really cognizant physiologically of what we're feeling because there are very few receptors in the tongue that send a message to the brain to say, ah, uh, here's what's going on. Let alone that, that you're switching, you know, your whole focus from saying something or making a, making a sound to placing a glob of flesh somewhere. Right, you know, which right. it, you know it, it can kind of spoil the whole enterprise. Right, right, kind of <laughs> mucks up the works. Right. Yeah. Well, and it also, I you know, as we've said too, it makes someone too self-conscious. Yeah. You know how do you how do you communicate if you're self-conscious? If you're if you're devastatingly self-conscious, I mean, you can't. You're just so aware of what you're doing that you lose touch with yourself. Yeah. So oh, I know, love this book. I just love it. Right? I do too. They, and I, they, I think it's a great, for the teacher of today, I think anybody who wants to take like Ken Bozeman's charts and his information and then, okay, now let's extrapolate those into some exercises. I mean, this is just replete with stuff to play with. You, you know, a group of people that it's surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly helpful with is the singer songwriters mm. because they're, 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 you know, creating a song and they have something to say and th- these little exercises and stuff are a great bridge to understanding why a song or a phrase is easy to sing or not, or why, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you want to write a really compelling chorus, but if you do a whole bunch of syllables on words like suki gooky mookie, you mm. might not get the kind of power you're looking for or whatever, <laughs> you know, right. it teaches a lot about word setting uh, and, and how the, the way the words fall with a musical phrase um, affects how they behave and how they feel to sing. It's just wonderful for this stuff. And there's, I just love that it's no hold, holds barred. In other words, he doesn't say, well, only these vowels, only these vowels. It's everyone, right? Our goal is to be able to do all of them. Um, and they're, they get more melismatic and more uh, arpeggiated as they go. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, all... Go ahead, sorry. Well, I was going to say, I, I've also never seen any other book that uses phrases or syllables that has so much with diphthongs too yes so so he ha- he'll have like a whole set of them that has at the climax of the phrase an ow or an oi mm-hmm. or an i and uh he, he really explores it I, I he really does go for a lot of things on page 131 he has one syllable words that you can sing uh words like ooze or swoop or rove or strong or rush or wow i you know sort of onomatopoeic words in a way mm-hmm. or bliss blaze blend um rise spend zip gleam 
I, I just love it. I just love it. And, and sentences too that go along with it. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful little book. And I really just dearly love it. I think it's probably one of my top 10 favorite just for its use of function in a studio. I mean, it's a functional, it's, a, it's able to be used in the studio, which I love. You can use it. It's practical. Mm-hmm. It's not just theoretical. It's really a practical uh, book, which, which of course, so... for us is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And very genre independent, too. I think so, too. Yeah, you know. I think so, too. And it's obviously English driven, you know, which we talk about being able to sing in one's own tongue. Yeah. You know, if you don't know how to shape, I, you know, whatever, here's my opinion. But how, how do you shape, <laughs> if you can't shape vowels in your own language, how the heck are you going to do it in a language you do not speak? Yeah. Right. Then that's just sound. Then you're just making sounds. And that's what parrots can do. You yeah. know, if you really understand your own language and your own tongue and mm-hmm. singing in your own language, um, it will bleed over into the other, I do believe. Because you will have that, you will have that heightened awareness of, of vowel sound, I do believe. Yeah. As you work on other languages, you'll, you'll be, the, the well will be primed, right? So, yeah, no, I just love this little book. It's great. And it, it's really great. I don't know if people can still, I would imagine people could still purchase this book. I imagine it's still available. Uh, we'll put the uh, publication information in the, in in the, the, sh- the episode notes. notes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, um, hopefully people uh, check it out. Be able to find it. I, I think there are, are other uh, publishing houses or distribution places um, carrying it now. Um, but, yeah. but singing redefined. Walter yeah, Walter Foster, Foster. published. Um, I think by his like you said self um, his own company. Recital yeah, Publications. it was called Recital Publications, yeah. and I believe it was it has a nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, ninety eight. Copyright. So it's yeah. pretty pretty fairly fairly ish recent when we're talking about pedagogy texts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So yeah, that was great. Uh, go get, go out and get it. Get the get the um get that and then play with the uh I, I do both. I play with Kenneth Bozeman's uh vowel chart and then I play with these exercises and it's really fun. So they experience the closing of the vowel and then we put them into these uh sentences and then they can directly experience what's a, in essence a musical uh event. With the same, so it's not just this uh, de- um, separated sound thing, but it's a musical event and, and singing it with emotion and hearing it, the vowel do what it's going to do. It, people get really excited about it. Oh, indeed. It'd really be fun, actually, to talk with Ken about that, you know, oh, the, yeah. like this this book along with with what he's doing. I think he'd get a kick out of that. Well, what I love about Ken's second book uh, is that he talks a lot about affect. And so he's bringing in a lot of those things we were talking mm-hmm. about, imagination mm-hmm. and, and, yep. and, and uh, using an, an emotional... Uh, setting of the voice to create a particular internal reality of the function. Yeah. Which is great. So cool. Good I'm sure stuff, he'd love that. Man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, till next time. Okie dokie. Okay. We have redefined singing. <laughs> I, someone had to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks for joining us today on the Voice Culture Podcast. For more information, connect with us on our website, thevoiceculture.com.